when I introduce him. But you know, the Bible says, give honor where honor is due. And the Lowe family, Shaylin, Mason, Gracie, Sister Carrie, Brother Justin, amen, they are a family that deserves honor. They have taken on this youth group and even before that, but they have been the youth ministers in this church for as long as I've been going to church here, amen, which is since 2009, so I'm guessing about nine years you've been the youth minister. So they have done that, and if, if I can say that I appreciate anything in this life, and most of you that know me well will know when I say this, I mean it, I appreciate consistency. And they are consistently not just living for God, but teaching and preaching to our young people. I was blessed to be in youth service last night, and I, I don't get to do that very often. And sometimes when I do drop the kids off, I, I either get some business done in the car, or I go somewhere and go grocery shopping or something, amen. But last night I heard, and as Brother Justin was turning the service over to the speaker, amen, and he was just making a few comments about worship, you could just feel in his heart, and I told my wife this, you could just feel he was delivering in his heart that he wasn't trying to be deep or impressive to the young people, he was trying to help them get some perspective in their praise and worship, amen. They love young people so much. I have heard them in the office and in personal conversations, amen, where they literally get mad at the devil, when our young people are waning or they're starting to get weak or they are wavering in their faith, they get mad at the devil, amen? And I think if they could, Sister Sorrels, they'd probably just punch him in the nose, amen? I know Sister Sorrels would. So this is a great family, and they deserve honor, amen? Brother Justin is a very capable teacher and speaker. Uh, he stays in the Word and studies and prepares, amen? And on top of that, he's a great friend of mine, and he's a pretty snazzy dresser. Amen. A show chivalrous dresser. Amen. And we appreciate that. Brother Justin, come. We know that you will teach and preach to us your heartbeat tonight as you do to our young people, and we love you for that. God bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Brother Keith. Go ahead and lower your expectations now. Thank you. All right. I am happy to be here. I really am. And uh, I'm glad to be able to, to speak here at Lighthouse. I love this church. I want you to know that. Love Excel. Love the young people. And uh, proud to have been here for, I don't know when we came here. It's probably been, I think when we first came here, there might have been 35 people in the church, 30, 35, something like that. So I've been able to watch, you know, as Lighthouse has grown and how the youth group has grown. We always joke that we had a, a Ford Explorer back in the day, and me and my two kids at the time and the youth group rode in it, right? And uh, so now, now whenever we go on youth trips, it's like, do we need two vans or three? You know, and it's just a cool thing to see uh, for me. I love seeing that. Uh, but why don't we just, just right here at the beginning, I'm not going to read a prayer yet, but I do want to pray that God would, would help me and help me to deliver what I have uh, from him. So why don't we just stand to our feet real quick. won't be long, uh, but I do want to pray in Jesus' name. Lord, I love you tonight. I'm thankful, Lord, for this opportunity. I believe, God, that you've given me something, Lord, to speak. I pray, God, that you would help me to be your mouthpiece tonight. I pray, God, that you would allow us to understand and to hear what you have for us in this place tonight. God, I pray that your anointing would fall. Your anointing would come out of me tonight, Jesus. I pray, God, that each and every person here would be blessed in the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated. Thank you. I, uh, whenever I was in high school... And middle school, I guess. I, really, I don't like to read really to this day. I'll read this, okay, so don't get me wrong. But I never liked to read. And I think the reason why I didn't like to read was whenever you read in, in high school, it was never fun. And by the way, those that are in high school, you read the same books we did. Nothing has changed, 
okay? But, uh, but those books you read in high school, they wouldn't let you read it for fun. You had to figure out, like, what it was really trying to say, you know? So, oh, by the way, the car was red, and it parked in the third spot from the left, and what does that mean? And I'm like, they like red cars, and I don't know. I mean, I, but they always wanted you to understand what the meaning was of, of different things in the books. And you'd, I mean, you'd read a story, and the whole meaning of it's not even the story. I don't know what was going on, but that was not my strong suit. So I'm telling you that to tell you this. Whenever I, and hopefully the young people get attest to this, but I, I'm, I'm very practical whenever I teach anything. I'm not going to tell you something that I want you to figure it out. Uh, later or try to understand what I was trying to say. But I, I, I say what I mean, and that's it, and I'll make it clear. And if it's not clear, please find me uh, afterwards. But I'm just trying to help you out, let you know kind of my style uh, whenever I do this. But uh, tonight, I do feel like the Lord laid something on my heart. I, it was kind of confirmed for me uh, last night when Brother Grant Perryman spoke. His, his message, which I didn't know what he was speaking on, uh, really kind of lines up at least uh, with my message tonight that God has given me. And when that happens, I kind of feel better. You know, when uh, Brother Grant got done last night, I was like, okay. Because I made some, some tweaks and things this last couple days, and it turns out God was just leading me in that direction. But uh, in the natural, so in the natural world, if you have a, a, a you can usually tell between in a confrontation, you can tell who's going to win that fight or win that confrontation. You would look at things like the size of each opponent, maybe the number on each side, and, or maybe the training, the skill, whatever it might be. You would look in that, and you would be able to say that oh, that one's going to win. Right, so and you'd be able to do that in the natural, but like many things, God turns that around in the spiritual. So we go through the, the Word of God and we find where usually the smaller army or the lesser, you know, the weaker person actually became victorious in the Word of God because they had God with them. And, uh, and it, it happens throughout the Word of God uh, over and over and over. Smaller armies overcame bigger armies, and, and that just happened and, uh, and because God was involved. So what I'm trying to tell you is it doesn't take an army of Christians to change your school. It doesn't take an army of Christians to change your workplace. It doesn't take an army of Christians to impact your family or even, it doesn't take that because God has shown us time and time again uh, that we, the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I know that I have more inside of me than what he has in the world. By the way, those that, those that like their, me to wear a tie, I do have a tie. So I don't know. I'll put that there for those that might not like that. But I do have a tie with me. If that, if that hurts you somehow. But I just wanted to show that. I did want to do a little object lesson here right at the beginning, just real quickly. And uh, I wanted to show you something kind of neat that illustrates my point. Food coloring. Food coloring. Red food coloring is all this is. It's not magic. Or is it? Food color. I'm going to put, so you see this bottle of water right here? I just opened it. It wasn't open. Uh, it'll be for sale after for a youth fundraiser. You can have this bottle. It's a prop. Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to put one, one, one drop. I'll just put one drop of food coloring inside that bottle. One drop is all it was. That is messy. I'm going to put that down here. You're going to think I'm wounded. I'm not wounded. But I put one drop, one drop of food coloring I put in there. But look what happens. That was one drop, one drop. The water went from clear water, and, uh, and now it's, it's pink, I guess, whatever color that is. But, but it only took one drop. One drop compared to how much water was in there is nothing. And that kind of illustrates that greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. If the bottle is the world, if the bottle is my school, if the bottle is my job, 
look what I just did to it. Just by walking in the place, I can impact an entire school, an entire workplace. No matter where it is, you're able to impact that in Jesus' name. I believe that. So you can be the only apostolic in your school and still reach your school. You can be the only Pentecostal in your workplace, still reach your workplace. So tonight I'm asking a question. This is the title, what I want to talk about tonight. Tonight I'm asking this question, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Because now you know that you are a majority. With God, you can impact wherever you go. Wherever you go, When you walk in a place, you can change the atmosphere in that place. You can do that. So what are you going to do about it? I think about prayers. Prayers really take action. I don't know if you know this, but when you pray, you know, the Bible says faith without works is dead. Whenever we pray, a lot of times there's, there's an action we have to do with that. And an example I always think of is hopefully most of us here, if you're Holy Ghost filled, you pray that God would help you to be a soul winner, right? I mean, hopefully we all pray that. I mean, if we, if we don't, maybe we can now starting today, but hopefully we all pray that we can be a soul winner. That's the Great Commission, right, spreading the gospel. So praying that we can be a soul winner is very important. But, but what happens a lot of times is we pray to be soul winners, but then we don't talk to any souls. Well, that's kind of an empty prayer, isn't it? I mean, if I'm going to pray that God help me do this, but then I don't take any action to even do anything with it. I mean, that, that's not going to work. I pray, I pray that God would help me reach my workplace, reach my school, but then they don't even know what I believe because I've never talked to them, I've never witnessed to them. So, I mean, that, and that's, that's kind of the, a message you've got to understand. There's got to be some action with our prayers. Now, it can be daunting to even think about reaching your school, reaching your workplace, changing the environment that you're in, but I'm going to tell you tonight, we're going to go through this, that if you do what you can do, God will make up the difference. The Bible says that, that in my weakness... His strength is made perfect. So I show up with what I have. I show up with this weak thing I got here, and then God makes up the difference and and makes something happen. So whenever I say, what are you going to do about it, what is it? I'm glad you asked. It is whatever it is to you. So you have a person you're trying to reach. You have a situation. There's something going on. Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's your school for a young person. Whatever it might be, it is something personal to you. I don't know what you're dealing with, what situation you're going through. But as we go through tonight, I want you to think of that. What am I going to do about it? What am I going to do about this thing that I believe God has called me uh, to impact? So we're going to go through the the story of a character in the Word of God. Uh, It's an incredible story. I really enjoy reading this story. It's such a cool thing and a great example for us. But the story of Nehemiah, many of you are probably familiar with the story of, uh, of Nehemiah. What an incredible story of how one person made such a huge impact uh, in that time. So he saw a problem, and he did something about it. He saw a problem, he did something about it. And God did the miraculous through that. And I want to tell you that in 2018, now April already, believe it or not, or January 109th, whatever it is, now, but but in, in this time, April of 2018, we are able to have Nehemiahs. We need them. In fact, we need people that are going to act like Nehemiah. We need people that are going to go and try to make a difference and do something uh, in our communities, in our world today. We need that attitude and that approach to rebuild the walls and uh, change our communities. So I'm going to examine this man tonight, and, and I want to make an important point. When we're going out there and trying to be a Nehemiah, maybe this will make more sense the further we get in. It's important that we, we remember 2 Corinthians 5.7 which says, and walk by faith, not by sight. If we walk by sight, that can be discouraging. So when you walk in to wherever you're walking in, I've got, we've got three P7 clubs, Bible clubs in high schools in the area here. If they, would have, if they walk into their schools and they want to think that they themselves is going to impact that school, how discouraging could that be when you walk into that place? If you're walking by sight, only what you can see, if, if you walk by just what you can see, you're going to say, I'm only one person? 
I'm only one person out of a thousand, whatever it is. How, how am I going to do this? That's walking by sight. But walking by faith is I'm one person, and I'm going to impact this school. I'm gonna do, that's walking by faith, when you believe that God can do it through you. So walking by faith, not by sight. So as I prepare for tonight, I do want to disclose this. I, I will say that in youth service Tuesday nights, I have a pretty strict rule. I, I, I think we're pretty good about, about going with it. But we, we want to be done uh, by 830. That's what we do in youth service on Tuesday nights. But that's Tuesday nights, so this isn't Tuesday night. No? <laughs> But I, that's my bet. I want to try to be done by 8.30. That's usually my goal. But I, as, I, as I put this together, um, I really think that I, and I may do this at some point, I really think this, I'm going to go through five points. I really could make a five-lesson series out of this, really. Um, so I'm telling you that to tell you this. We're going to hit high points. I mean, I'm going to, at a high level, we're going to go through and see what we can learn from the story of Nehemiah uh, here tonight. But the first thing that Nehemiah did, and there's going to be five things, Nehemiah was concerned about it. So the it was the thing in his day. So you think about whatever it is to you. Nehemiah was concerned about it. And Nehemiah 1, 1 through 4, and I'm just going to go over the mic. You have the scriptures. You can, I'm not even going to look. But Nehemiah 1, 1 through 4 says this. Now it happened in the month of Chislev in the 20th year as I was in Susa the citadel. And Hanani, one of my brothers, came with a certain men from Judah. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. And verse 4 says this, as soon as I heard this, this is Nehemiah, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. It sounds to me, it looks like to me, that Nehemiah was concerned. Nehemiah had compassion for what was going on is what it looks like to me. So he, just like Nehemiah did in that verse right there, we've got to have concern. And not and not the not the oh yeah I'm concerned for the lost I think I wish everybody was saved not not just words that come out of our mouth but really something that affects you something that impacts you when you walk into a place and you just feel just concern and compassion and just a, a burden for the people that don't know what you know the privilege that you have tonight to know uh, Jesus tonight we have to have that same compassion and uh, I can remember stories of uh, really brother uh, brother Matthew. Here, I, I can remember him talking about, you know, things that kind of motivated him. And I, I can recall a time in a youth service where uh, Matthew just got emotional just thinking about the burden that he had for people, the, really the burden that was there. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about something that, you know, maybe wakes you up every now and then at night, people you're just concerned about. It's those family members that have been lost and you just, they haven't been here for, they haven't been at church. They don't come to church. They don't know what you know. They haven't experienced what you experience. Having that concern is important. We got to believe that God saves us. God can save those people that you're concerned about. He can save them and he can fix them. Most people have issues, right? We have issues. People out there really have issues because they don't have the God to help them, but God will save them and fix them. I want to make sure I understand that whenever I say save and fix, the order there is important, right? We don't fix then get saved, but God saves us and then he fixes us. In Jesus' name. So I, I want to go as far as even saying that we really should be bothered a little bit by those that aren't uh, saved. And I hope this comes across tonight. This really is a, an area that I'm, I'm passionate about, okay? I, it really is. And I want to, hopefully that comes across in my voice tonight. But we should really be really bothered even by those classmates and, and, and work, work, work acquaintances and things and family members that are kind of wandering through life not knowing what you know. I think we should be concerned 
about that. Jesus himself had compassion. In Matthew 9, 35 through 38, it says, And Jesus went through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plenty, plentiful, and the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So Jesus is walking around every day. He's going around and he's, he's healing people. He's restoring people. All day long he's doing that. And in this moment you kind of see where Jesus in his humanity becomes overwhelmed. I mean, there's so many people. I can't possibly, in my humanity here, I can't connect with every person here. And Jesus says that to his disciples. You have to pray that laborers will, show, that laborers will be here. Really indicating even that the disciples that were with him weren't enough. We need more laborers. The harvest is plenty. There's so many people that need to hear from us. I would tell you that every one of us that are here are so important to making a difference in our communities, in our personal mission fields that we have. It's so, you're so important to that. And God forbid that any of us would, would uh, be filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name, repented of our sins, and, and not be a laborer in the field, right? So uh, God has called us to do that. And, uh, and so the Great Commission, spreading the whole gospel, it isn't just for your pastor. Spreading the gospel is not for youth pastors. It's not for, you know, ushers. It's not for just the leadership. You, spreading the gospel, the Great Commission is for everyone. So be a laborer, be concerned, be compassionate, and do something about it. In Jesus' name. The second thing that I want to talk about, Nehemiah. So the first thing he did, he was compassionate. He, he, he was concerned. I mean, he wept for days, the Bible says. And then the next thing it says, just in that verse 4, Nehemiah 1.4, as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So the second thing that Nehemiah did is he fasted and he prayed. Now, I want to bring your attention to one part of this verse. It's kind of interesting. It says, I continued, continued. And praying fast. It doesn't mean that he hadn't been praying and fasting and he heard of this need and, and now I'm going to start praying and fasting. The Bible seems to indicate that Nehemiah was already fasting and praying. So whenever he heard this news, he just continued in that. Nehemiah already had a walk with God. He already had a relationship with God. So he continued fasting and praying. So I wonder, uh, out of concern, the Bible doesn't indicate that Nehemiah was angry or frustrated. I mean, maybe he was. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that he punched a hole in the wall or uh, kicked the dog, God forbid. But uh, it doesn't say he did any of those things. It just says that he continued in prayer and fasting. So I, when I read that, I got to thinking, like, what do I do? What do I do whenever I hear something? Whenever I hear of a, a need, something, uh, someone that I know, a family member, you know, a, a church member here, family, a church family member, what do I do? Do I, do I, when they have an issue, something that happens, when Brother Travis Amrine gives us a request on the Excel Facebook page, what am I doing? Am I, am I like, oh, man, I can't believe that happened to him? Or is my first reaction to say, in Jesus' name, heal him, in Jesus' name. And, and miraculously today, God answered prayer, and that was just awesome to hear. So uh, it's cool tonight on a Wednesday, we're actually here on a day when a miracle happened to one of our church members. That's pretty cool, right? Amen. I think, uh, I think we'll come to expect that and see that even more as the days uh, move on. So I'm excited about, about that. So what is our reaction? Do we fast and pray? Do we get angry? What is our reaction when we see a need? Now, why is it so important that Nehemiah did, didn't do anything at all until he prayed and fasted? 
Why is it so important that he didn't do anything? And you'll see this come to light as we go. But the Bible says in Colossians 3.17, And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So the Bible is instructing us that everything we do in word and deed, we're going to do it uh, in his name, meaning prayerfully and purposefully. We're going to do everything in his name. So when you fast and pray, when you do that, when you make that, uh, that conscious decision to pray and fast, that's going to give you the best, po- it's going to put you in the best possible place for a breakthrough. Whenever you, whenever you fast, whenever you pray, that's going to align you with God. That's going to get your mind, your soul, and spirit is going to be aligned with what God wants in that situation. So that's why it's so important that Nehemiah did this. When you get your mind, soul, and spirit aligned with God and you position yourself to do something about it, you're being aligned with God, which also aligns us with his favor. We ought to pray for God's favor, really. Amen. We ought to pray for that. But in First, uh, Second Chronicles 16.9, it says this, The eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. And I'll stop right there with that verse. That's a cool verse. That's an encouraging verse to me to read that. Because it says that he, he searches, the, so he's looking for me. If, I, if I'm committed to him, if I'm putting him above anything and anyone, if I'm putting him first, that tells me that God, he's actually looking for me to give me strength. He's trying to find me to say, hey, where's, where's Justin at? Where's he at? I need to find him. I'm going to give him some strength because I can see that he is fully committed to me. He's seeking my favor. He's committed to me above anyone, anything else. And, uh, and he's looking to strengthen you. And why, why would he want to strengthen you? Because he has a will for you. There's something he needs you to do. There's something he's called you to do, and you need God's strength in order to do that. Another encouraging verse uh, from Proverbs is this. Proverbs 3, 6, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. In all your ways acknowledge him. He'll make straight your paths. This is a cool thing. So if you read on, we're not going to read the verses in chapter 1 of Nehemiah. But when, when Nehemiah uh, prayed and fasted, he, he did that before he went to see the king. So what he had to do, he was the cupbearer for the king. So he had a job. He had a job to do uh, in the king's palace. So he had a job. So if he was going to go and he, he heard that the children of, uh, or the, uh, the people there didn't have their wall, the walls around Jerusalem had fallen or were burned with fire, he wanted to go fix that. But notice he hasn't done anything yet. If you, a lot of times us uh, uh, guys, the men that are here, when we hear of a problem, we try to fix it. Right? The instant thing is, okay, let's do this. Let's fix that. But look what, in the spiritual, look what happens. Nehemiah didn't do that. Nehemiah was concerned. He Obviously, he wept, it says, for days. He fasted. He prayed. He continued in that. And then he took action. So he, there was a purposeful thing there. He said, I need God's favor before I'm going to do this thing. I need God's favor before I get started with this. So Nehemiah goes into the king. And he asked him, and we're not going to read these verses, but it's chapter 1 if you want to uh, look through it yourself. But the king granted his request. I think the only question uh, the king had asked Nehemiah was, how long are you going to be gone? <laughs> and it doesn't say that Nehemiah gave him an answer, but, but uh, the king actually granted his request to leave and go to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Uh, not only that, so there's, that, that would have been cool. So it would have been cool if Nehemiah would have just allowed him to go. Because right, that's like a very extended vacation. We don't know how long that's going to be, but if you've ever went to a boss and said, I'm going to go rebuild walls of a city, that might take a while. So the boss might not be. So he asked his boss, like, can I go and rebuild these walls? He says yes. And not only that, though, the king made a way for Nehemiah to have safe passage. He gave him a letter that said as, as he crosses through these different regions on his way uh, to Jerusalem that he would have safe passage going through those areas. So the king, uh, he had favor with the king. Now here's the really cool thing that, that the king did. 
The king granted him all of the material and resources he would need to accomplish the work. Now, I really like this part, so I want to soak in this for just a little bit. Um, I don't know that, that Nehemiah had like a, a supply contractor on call, like with a nice credit plan for all the wall materials. I don't know. I kind of doubt it. So I don't know that Nehemiah, in that moment, when he first felt like God wants me to go help rebuild this wall, I don't know that Nehemiah had it all figured out. I don't know that he knew where all the material was going to come from, all the resources he would need. I, the Bible doesn't show us that he, he had already planned that out or, or had already uh, had that all set up. But the Bible says the king granted him all the material. The king did not have to grant him all the material and resources, right? He already let him go. He's already given him safe passage. And now he's giving him everything he would need to accomplish the work. Now, this is something where we get tripped up. So anytime God calls you to do something, can I tell you it can be really daunting. So I, I, can, I can think of the time when, uh, when Pastor, um, almost not, I guess it's almost nine years in August or so, that he had asked my wife and I to, to do this. And uh, I think, well, you're kind of like, well, that's, that's, that sounds pretty cool. But we were scared about it, I mean, seriously, because we were like, I've never done this before. I don't even know that I had even really been a Sunday school teacher much, you know, in my life. And, uh, and so when he asked that, honestly, we were kind of unsure what to even do, you know, like, what, how do we even do this? It's always going to be daunting. I think of all of our P7 club folks. All these kids went to their schools and had to meet, I mean, talk to principals and teachers and get sponsored. How daunting is that? How hard would it, just imagine walking into your school, as difficult as that could be, and saying, hey, uh, principal, whoever, I'd like to start a Bible club the school and going to teachers and finding sponsors for that. It's just an incredible thing that, that God does when he provides the way. When we don't know how we're going to get there, God will provide the material and resources that we need. So trust him in that. Uh, the king also sent on him, him on his way with officers of the army. So he sent him with protection. And he also uh, sent him with horses, a speedy passage. Not only, not only did, so here's, here's what all happened. He had the favor of God, which gave him the favor from the king. So not only did the king grant his request to go, he gave him safe passage. He provided him everything he would need to rebuild the walls. And he allowed him to get there faster than he would have got there otherwise with protection, with the army. He had bodyguards with him as he went. Uh, to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So in short, really, God granted Nehemiah favor with the king because he had the favor of God. All this was brought about because of Nehemiah's approach of prayer and fasting, and that started with concern, true, genuine concern for a situation and a calling that he had on his life. So do you believe God can give you favor with your boss, with your teachers, with you know, principles with different people you work with, and, and that I believe that God can grant us favor, and, uh, and God's going to have to do that. I mean, that's what we need. We need the favor of God on our lives as we reach our community. So be compassionate, be prayerful, fast, and do something about it. The third thing that we can learn from Nehemiah is found in uh, chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, which says this, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins, with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. So what Nehemiah did was Nehemiah testified of God's goodness. Nehemiah testified. So he 
was genuinely concerned. He prayed and fasted, and then he testified to the people that he wanted to help about God's goodness. How important is this when you think about it? How, how important is it to tell of what God has done for you? I can imagine, so the, the, the people there had their walls burned down and everything. If they could rebuild those walls, they might have done it already, right? So, I mean, when he walked in there and said, hey, let's rebuild the walls, they're like, yeah, we can't do that. But then what Nehemiah did was, because they were probably discouraged and not really believing what he was saying, he told them what the king had said to him. He told them of the favor that God had had in his life, and that allowed them to be encouraged. Because as soon as, as soon as he testified to them, it says, and they said, let us rise up and build. They were ready to go. I, I suspect on the other side of that testimony, they might not have been so confident. Because they had already been sitting there with broken down walls for a while. And I'm sure whenever somebody walked up, maybe another person had walked up before. Maybe somebody that was there had said, hey, why don't we try to rebuild these walls? And it just was, it wasn't happening. So I don't know how much faith they had. But when the testimony went forth, the experience that Nehemiah had it went forth. It encouraged them. and They were ready to go. Your testimony is so powerful. You, I mean, let me tell you something. There's a lot of people that don't believe. And I've said this to the young people. If you start preaching the word of God to people, if they don't believe the word of God is true, you're not going to get anywhere. But if you can tell them about the experience you've had, if you can talk to them about the time that God healed you, they can't argue with that. Whenever you tell them that God healed you, that's contagious. When you testify, that's contagious when people hear that. If you can talk about a time maybe when God delivered you, you can testify to somebody who needs to be set free. Has God ever kept you, ever been kept by God, kept safe? You can encourage someone who was insecure. If God restored you, you can encourage someone who's broken. And if God has saved you, you can encourage someone who needs to be redeemed. I've told the story a lot of times of, you know, we really have a lot of faith in uh, healing because we had a healing in our family with Sister Sorrels a few years ago, uh, almost 10 years ago now, I guess, isn't it? Nearly 10 years um, ago. So we had a healing, in the, a miraculous healing. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go through the story, but a miraculous healing with her. But because of that healing that happened, we have a, a greater faith in healing. When someone, like when Brother Travis Hamrine puts on our Excel page today that he's having an issue and he may have a procedure, we're, when we pray, there's something extra behind that because we've seen it. We've seen that happen. We've, test, we've seen it, and we can testify about it. We know that God is able to meet that need in Jesus' name. Praise God. So you have a story to tell, and you have an experience to share. So tell your story and see how people are encouraged and drawn to God. So what I need to say to myself, I'm going to be willing to tell of my experience. I'm going to tell and testify and do something about it. Now, here's kind of the the part where the devil really comes into play and the enemy really comes in. When you're doing something for God, guess what? Guess who's going to be there trying to mess that up? The enemy's going to be there to try to mess that up. So the, he'll always challenge what you're doing for God. So pray uh, for protection. I can, I can think of the time whenever the Timberland, sorry I'm on P7s, but hey, that's like my world, okay? But the, but the Timberland High School uh, P7 Club, they, they started that, I don't know if it was a month or six weeks, maybe it was two months. The teacher sponsor that they had dropped out and didn't want to do it anymore. And our thought was, man, come on. We just got this thing going. It's the first year, and you can't have these without a teacher sponsor. So we were kind of down in that a little bit. But I think it was almost right away. I don't know, Gracie, was it pretty quick? Like that other teacher stepped up. I mean, it was within a week or two that another teacher just stepped in. And I think her daughters had been coming to the club, and she just stepped right in. But that's, see, the devil tried to mess with that. 
And if we weren't careful, we'd get real discouraged in that and say, well, I guess this isn't going to work. But, but God is always going to let his work go forward. So we're going to pray for protection. The enemy will always challenge what you do for God. Pray for protection. Here's what happened in Nehemiah. And I'm going to skip through some verses in chapter 4. But I'm going to read Nehemiah 4, 1, and then 7 through 9, and then 14. It says this in verse 1. Now when Sanballat heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. Moving on to verse 7. But when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry and they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And verse 9 says, And we prayed to our God and set a guard as protection against them day and night. And verse 14 says this, And I looked and I rose and I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome will fight for your brothers uh, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. So you see the whole story unfolding there. The, the work of God is going forward. It's, it's, it's progressing. It's being successful. So the enemy's like, we got to stop this. Because we cannot have the work of God, the work of the Lord going forward. But the Bible tells us that they prayed. Now, there's a lot, there's a lot in there. I mean, this is, this is definitely one of those sections that could be expanded uh, into a, a longer study. But, but I'm just going to kind of try to unpack it a little bit uh, in sections here. But the first thing, the enemy didn't like the good of the people were doing, so they fought against it. Now, be convinced the enemy will always try to disrupt what you do for him. He's going to do it. It's going to happen. So now that we know that, we can prepare for that. Now that we know that the enemy is going to plant seeds of doubt in your mind, he's going to make you think that you can't do it. He's going to try to do that. He may cause us to have divisions among us. He may cause, you know, the youth group could get divided, the church. All these, kind of, all these little things could go on, but it's all just the enemy working. The enemy's trying to cause division amongst us, which would cause the work of the Lord to have more difficulty going forward. He's going to definitely try to discourage you, no doubt. No doubt the devil is going to try to discourage you in everything you do for God. Really, he's going to do anything he can to stop you. But look what happened. And this is, we can learn from this. God's people prayed and they guarded the work. I like that because they prayed and then they didn't, they took an action. They prayed and they guarded the work. It says they prayed and set a guard. So not only did they pray, they took action. They did what they could do and they trusted God for the rest. Because I would believe, I guess in my mind, I would believe that if someone, if an enemy was wanting to attack them, I have to believe that they could somehow be a little bit successful. I don't know. I, I have no idea. But you feel like, you know, if they wanted to kind of attack those people as they were working and building the wall, it seems like somehow they could have been at least a little bit successful, but they prayed. And they prayed for protection. So they had that protection. I like what it says here. If you read on, if you read on in those verses, you would find that the people had a weapon in one hand and a shovel in the other. Literally, they're working with one hand and protecting the work with their other hand. So doing God's work and protecting it, not just doing it and leaving it vulnerable. There could be a whole bunch in that, a whole bunch of things you could do. I, I thought to myself when I'm thinking about that, we do a lot of things for God, a lot of things in the work in the kingdom, but do we protect that work? Or do we just do it and walk away? I think of, uh, I think of new saints that come into our, our midst. They get the Holy Ghost. You know, a lot of times what we think, and I'm guilty, uh, what we think is they get the Holy Ghost, God saves them, and then we're like, oh, we're done. They got the Holy Ghost. But really it's just starting. So if we, if we stop there, if somebody comes into this place and God fills them with his spirit, that's when we really got to step up and protect that, protect the work that God has done. Don't leave it vulnerable. Don't leave it there where the enemy's, because the enemy's going to start attacking that person. You be sure of that. 
When somebody new receives the Holy Ghost, they will be attacked by the enemy. So we have to protect the work of God, the work we do for him. The last thing I'll, I'll bring out of these verses is this. Nehemiah encouraged the people in the Lord. If you're going to do something about it, you have to encourage those you're seeking to help. So remember, you and God as a majority, there's no questions asked. And here is the really important thing. We have to rebuke fear. That is the number one thing that keeps us from doing work in the kingdom is fear. How many have, have thought that they had a message to share from, say, in a, in a forum like this, but you didn't because of fear? How many thought, well, maybe I should go pray for that person, and you didn't because you were kind of fearful? Or maybe I should ask this person if they want a Bible study or if I can just talk to them a little bit and share about my experience, but you didn't because there's just fear creeps in. That's just a tool of the enemy. The enemy that doesn't come from God. The enemy gives you that fear, puts that in you, and, uh, and holds you back. That's what it's attempting to do. So we have to rebuke fear in Jesus' name. So although the enemy comes against me, I'm going to continue in prayer, and I'm going to do something about it. The last point of the five points is this. Believe God will complete the work, and everyone will see. Nehemiah 6, 15 through 16. Now, this is a powerful verse. If you don't hear, feel uh, goosebumps on the back of your neck on this, something might be, might want to check your pulse. But uh, Nehemiah 6, 15 and 16 says, So the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elul in 52 days. And when all the enemies heard it, all the nations around us were afraid and fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. How powerful is that? Think that the enemy is going to see. Whenever God completes his work, the enemy is going to see that. So when you're doing whatever witnessing and, and everything you're doing at your workplace, your schools, when a soul comes and receives the gift of the Holy Ghost here, the enemy's going to see that. And they're going to be fearful of that because look what's happening. God is moving. God made that work happen in Jesus' name. So with God's help, an entire wall was built around the city in just 52 days while the enemy was attacking and trying to slow them down. That is a miracle. The work was completed in 52 days even when the people at times dealt with discouragement. That's no doubt God. So what was the key? Well, they prepared, Nehemiah prepared for this miracle, and, uh, and the people were unified in their work. They worked together. I'm sure there were those that doubted, some that argued with each other. No doubt. I mean, you're working 52 days straight. I mean, there's going to be some people getting fussy and, and argumentative and, 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 and those kind of things. But all that was going on, and even one occasion the Bible says that Nehemiah had to correct them for a practice that was going on. He had to protect, uh, correct them in that. But the important thing is they listened to the instruction and they made changes. So they listened to the man of God. God blessed their work because they were obedient and worked together as a unified body. Such an important lesson for any church body, right? It's important that we work together. We're all individuals. We're going to have disagreements. But, but as a family, it's important for us to find peace with each other because we're in, it. We're, in, we're in this together. We all have the same goal in Jesus' name. We rejoice with each other. We mourn with each other. We don't mourn when someone rejoices or rejoice when someone mourns. It doesn't work that way. We rejoice and mourn uh, together because we're in this together. God will complete what he started in this church body and in this community. We can do something about it. I'm going to come to a close here. So I don't know if Sister Sydney wants to come to uh, piano or not, but just like the food coloring that we had here in, in the water, um, you may seem like a minority. You may be that little drop of food coloring. You may be that just little bitty piece in a huge mission, mission field that you're a part of. But look what happens when you walk in. When you walk in the room, when you walk into that environment, that mission field, you affect everything. The, all of the whole environment that you're in changes just from your entrance into that. you got to believe that in Jesus' name. This church can impact this community.
our workplaces, our schools. You may be one of a thousand in your school, but you can still impact it. You may be one of 2,000 on the job, but you can still make a difference on that job. Because remember this, Jeremiah 32 and 27 says this, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Romans 8.31 says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And Luke 1.37 says this, For nothing will be impossible with God. Those are powerful, encouraging scriptures. That's the word of God. That's God's word to us. Nothing's too hard for him. Nothing's impossible. I can do all things through him that strengthens me. And if God be for us, who can be against us? So what am I really trying to say? With God, you can do something about it. Whatever it is in your life tonight, you can do something about it. You can be a modern day Nehemiah. Do you believe that? In Jesus' name. Why don't we stand uh, real quick here right at the end. We'll stand up. I want you to think, whatever that thing is, that it, that whenever we talked about in the beginning, that it, whatever that was, why don't you think about what that, what that is, and let's, let's just put that in the front of our minds right now and just think about what is that thing that I believe God is calling me to do? What is that? Maybe it's that, that thing that God wants me to do more. God's want me to stretch out. God's want me to do a little bit more for him. What is that thing that God has for me? Who, who am I supposed to impact? Who am I supposed to talk to? Who, who is hungry to hear about what I have to say, the experience that I've had? And then once you have that in your mind, think about what Nehemiah did. And I know many of you have had different needs for many years, and you've prayed for those needs for a long time. But just consider this a fresh encouragement from God. Can we do that? Just think that God is encouraging you right now to, to understand that you can do it. With God's help, you're able to do it. So the number one thing Nehemiah did, he was concerned and compassionate about the situation. He prayed, he fasted, he was encouraged in testimony and did what God had and what God had done for him. So think in your life, what has God done for you? What have you experienced? What answer to prayer has God given you? Encourage somebody in that. Pray for protection as we know the enemy will attack and believe that God, this is important, believe, have faith to believe that God is going to complete that works. So what is it that you're going to do about it? Think about it. Think about what it is. What can God do? What is God going to be able to accomplish in that thing? So why don't we, uh, and if they want to sing, that's, that's fine if you want to sing a song, but, but why don't we just spend just a couple minutes in prayer thinking about what that thing is, what God wants to do, that thing he's placed in your mind that you're thinking of even right now, and why don't you start to believe? Why don't you let your faith be increased? Why don't you start to just believe a little more that God and you is a majority? You're able to impact everywhere you go. You can change lives just by sharing what God has done for you. You can encourage somebody. Somebody could come here in this place just because you told them what you what God did for you that that can happen do we believe that let's pray Lord we love you tonight God I pray that you would hallelujah encourage us tonight God let faith be increased in this place right now in the name of Jesus let it be increased